Lord will give strength to his people. Bring to the Lord, O sons of God, bring to the Lord honor and glory. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore to himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Men indeed swear by something greater, themsel greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that through two changeable things in which it is impossible that God should prove false, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Peace be with you, the reader. from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. At that time, a man came to Jesus kneeling and saying, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he had this? And he said, From childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. 
But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not have anyone know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Please be seated. Today we have the blessing of hearing a sermon offered by Dan Christopoulos on behalf of OCMC. It's great to be back with you back home. I feel like it's been a long time, but I gotta say it's so great to hear the choir again. In the gospel lesson that Deacon Paul just read for us, we see a dramatic scene unfold. A father is desperate to have his son healed. As the deacon just read, the father comes and kneels before Jesus and says to him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a dumb spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down. And he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. Imagine how painful this is for this father to see his child suffer. He's taken a son to many people, to many places, to try and find a cure. But none has been successful. People are probably afraid of the child when he goes into these convulsive seizures. You can see his anguish. You can understand that he doesn't know where to turn. His desperation is palpable. 
But amid this pain, this suffering, this despair, Jesus responds to the situation and to the Father with these four words. Bring him to me. Father Tim, Father John, Deacon Paul, brothers and sisters in Christ, for the next few moments, we're going to look at these four words, at this command of Jesus, bring him to me and come to understand what implications these words have in our own lives. I don't need to tell y'all, I was in Texas recently, sorry, that slipped in. I don't need to tell you that we're living in uncertain times. A war is raging in Ukraine where Orthodox brothers and sisters are killing each other. The COVID pandemic still is impacting lives. People are still dying. Businesses have closed. People have lost their jobs and their livelihoods. Violence is on the rise. Divisiveness is rampant. Inflation is soaring. Drug addiction and mental health issues, especially anxiety and depression, all are dramatically increasing. What do we do? Where do we turn? Or maybe more importantly, the question should be, to whom do we turn? Jesus Christ says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in the epistle that I just read from Hebrews chapter 6, we hear that Christ himself is our hope, our anchor. And we also read in Romans 8, 28, we know that God makes all things work together for the good to those who love him. And parenthetically, let me add, the translation that most of us read is not correct, where we say all things work to the good. That's not what the Greek says. It's not that all things on their own power somehow to come together like kismet. It very clearly says in Greek that God causes all things to work together for the good towards those who love him. God is the actor. God's power. Not the universe. As Christian believers, we always have the answer. Someone to whom we can go. And that's one of the main purposes of Great Lent, to get us refocused on Jesus Christ, who is the answer. To repent and change our ways, to get rid of all the outside noise, and to say, what is the one thing that's needful? In the midst of all these false narratives and false solutions, in the midst of people telling us all kinds of crazy things, what is the truth? What is the way which leads to life everlasting? Lent is a time to get rid of false kingdoms. The false kingdoms of money, of power, of prestige. Lent is a time to get our egos out of the way, to check them, and to journey to an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom characterized by humility, by service.
and most especially a kingdom of love. But Great Lent, brothers and sisters, is more than just our personal journey. It's not just about me. Jesus says to the suffering father, bring him, bring your son to me. We start by bringing ourselves to Christ, but we can never end there. It is our calling to continue by bringing others to him as well. I've said the statistics, but I'm going to say it again to you. Two-thirds of the world today is not Christian. One quarter of the world, over a billion people, have never heard the good news, the gospel, the evangelion of Christ preached in a way where they can say yes or no. Jesus clearly tells us to bring people to him and to his church. And that is exactly the work of the Orthodox Christian Mission Center. OCMC, since 1985, has been going to all the world, to all nations, to all people, preaching the truth, the word of Jesus Christ. And to do this, we need your help. But to do this, it takes that we have a mission mindset, a phronima, a consciousness, if you will, about missions. We need to believe that Jesus indeed has all the answers, that the answers aren't found in Wall Street, that the answers aren't found in commercials, in actors. They're found in Christ. Jesus Christ has the answers and is the answer to the world's ills. In 1985, I was blessed to be the first missionary ever sent by OCMC overseas. And some of you know that because you started praying for us back then in 1985. I've had people tell me that our name was on the refrigerator to pray for. But honestly, the development of a mission mindset in me and in others didn't just occur then. In 1964, I was seven years old growing up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, a little town with a little Greek Orthodox church. And what was I doing? Every Saturday morning, I had church service in the garage. I would put on my mother's robe. I took our ladder and I put it across the garage and I hung some icons on it. And I invited all the neighborhood kids to come. There was Marsh and Janet Deaver. There was David Bregman. There was Gary Sr., people I still stay in touch with. And it was going well. We would do a little service. I would preach a sermon. I took up collections. I would go to Safeway or what do we have out here like uh, Jerry's and I would buy little sweets because I liked sweets even when I was seven and we would have coffee hour afterwards. <laughs> Everything was going swimmingly very well and then one day I hear my mom on the telephone. My mom was talking to David Bregman's mom. David, David Bregman was Jewish. And here was the way the conversation went. And ironically, my mom's name was Esther, which it was Lombardini in Greek, but Esther in English. So here's the conversation I overhear. Esther, this is Lois Bregman. I don't mind that little David goes to Danny's church service. But last Saturday, we had my in-laws over for our evening Saturday night meal-like. And before we started, 
David said, wait, we have to pray. And I thought, oh, I'm so proud of him. He said, let's say the Lord's Prayer and make the sign of the cross. (laughs) Even at seven years old, I knew that we had something to share. And all those years later, in Africa, for two and a half years, we shared it. Archbishop Anastasios of Albania, who is the foremost living missiologist of the church, writes that we have an inner necessity to share the good news of Jesus Christ if we are true Christians. And he also writes the following. There is no treasure more precious than the truth that is revealed by the word of God. Therefore, people who suffer the most in our time are those who have been deprived of the word of God, not because they themselves refuse to hear it, but because we who have known it for centuries refuse to offer it. We who have known the truth for centuries refuse to offer it. OCMC offers it. But so are you and I called to offer it. Not just in Africa, not just in Albania, not just in Guatemala, but right here in Minneapolis, right here in our daily lives. Since the day that we first landed in Kenya of July of 1985, 117 other missionaries have now gone for long-term mission service. Currently, we have 30 missionaries scattered throughout the world, including the Joneses who just landed in Fiji last week and are starting service there in that island nation. 357 teams have gone out, more than 2,500 people, including people from St. Mary's, including Elaine Macris, now Mother Macrina, who was on the second mission team ever in 1988 to Kenya to spread the good news. But we can't share the word of God, this good news, without your support. We need your prayers. We need your financial resources. But most importantly, we need your mission-mindedness. And I have to admit, this parish is one of the most mission-minded in the whole country but we can't rest on our laurels. It's a continuous calling, a continuous renewal. We need that. We need a conscious awareness that Christ is the answer and we have to make a conscious choice to share him. Sometimes people mistakenly say, well, we don't do mission work in the Orthodox Church. If we don't, shame on us. If we don't, we can't call ourselves the church. If we don't, we don't have a legacy of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church because that's what it means. Apostolic means to be sent out. It's not just tracing apostolic succession. And as I think about that first team in 1987, I'm reminded of an incident that happened. We had 28 people join us as we went to build the first stone structure in Laikipia, Kenya. And we took that team and we worshiped first at another little parish. And I'll never forget what happened. It was a parish about the size of these two aisles. There was about 100 people. 
and I was doing the sensing from the front. And as I got to the right side, kind of right where John's at, I saw one of our missionary team members holding a little Kenyan baby. And I'll never forget what happened. As I started to sense them, I saw the baby looking up into the missionary's eyes. And this little baby took her finger and she started rubbing his skin and looking at it. And I got to admit, I paused my sensing. I stayed on him for quite a while so I could watch this. And then she put spittle and she rubbed her own hand. And then she rubbed his hand again. She was trying to find inside because somehow intuitively she knew that we are all the same. The color of skin made no difference. Because all of us are created in the image, katikona tutheu, with the possibility to become like God. Brothers and sisters, that's the good news. God comes to save all of us. He doesn't care what color our skin is. He doesn't care what ethnic group we hail from. He doesn't care for male, female, Jew, Greek, slave, free man, or whatever. He doesn't care how much money, prestige, or power we have. He doesn't care if we have perfect faith. What did the deacon just say? The suffering father said, I believe, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. God knows that we're all in the same boat. That we're all hurting. And that we need him. And what does he say? Come to me. What does he say? Bring your children to me. What does he say? Bring your neighbors to me. What does he say? Bring the whole world to me. Why? So that I can heal you. So that I can give you hope. So that I can give you renewed life and everlasting life. Because I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the life. And he who believes in me will never die. That is the good news. And if we can't shout it from the mountaintops like the old gospel hymnal says... So what are we doing? Are we just going through the motions? Is it nice because our grandparents came from Greece and all oh, they taught me? Or is it life changing? That's our choice. That's what Lent's about. We can come here on Holy Saturday evening and shout Christ is risen and say, oh, that's cool. And then go back to our old lives. Or we can be crucified with Christ so in the words of St. Paul it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me and we can have a new resurrected life which changes how we treat each other which changes how we forgive each other which changes how we love each other our Lord always heals just like he did in the gospel for that boy who was besought by a demon. Just like he does for you and for me when we fall, when we sin, and when we beg for his mercy. He doesn't throw us away. If he did, I wouldn't be standing here. Please pray for our 30 missionaries who are in the world. Please pray for the new missionaries who are being raised up. Please talk to your children. Look in your own hearts and see if missionary service is your calling. Make OCMC part of your giving like many of you do 
support mission priests for $50 a month. We send money all through the world, over 400 mission priests who receive a stipend to help them. But more than anything, this Lent, this day, make a commitment to develop a mission mindset, to grasp the belief that everybody deserves to hear the good news that you and I know so that God may be glorified and bring us all back to himself, to whom we offer glory, honor, and worship now and forever. Amen. That ever guarded by your mind.